Nurse.com is proud to be a sponsor of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. As the premier destination for nursing knowledge and resources, Nurse.com supports your passion for healthcare with an unrivaled collection of tools, articles, and courses tailored for the nursing community. Get your daily dose of things you need to know for your nursing journey. Discover the world of nursing like never before with Nurse.com. Empower your practice, advance your career, and enrich your knowledge. Nurse.com. It's your nurse life all in one place. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything nursing and healthcare related. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer at nurse.org. So on today's show, we'll be speaking with a chronic illness, long COVID, and neuroplasticity expert, Aksha Gupta, director of the Gupta program. And uh, we'll be talking about so many different things, things about you know what is long haul COVID, how it affects the brain, is the Omicron variant leading to a whole new wave of long COVID patients? And something we all want to know, if you get long COVID, what can you do about it? Is neuroplasticity treatment the answer? We'll find out. He'll explain that to us, all that and more, and how that just may work for long haul COVID patients. So are you ready? I'm ready. So get ready for the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. I know now that becoming a nurse was the best career choice for me, but I do remember feeling a lack of confidence when I first graduated. But for today's new graduates, there's a nurse residency program with HCA Healthcare designed to help you succeed. You can get hands-on experience and support from other nurses and residents to build a foundation for your career. Plus, other great benefits like tuition reimbursement, student loan assistance, and much more. I wish my younger self had the advice to apply to the nurse residency program. Learn more at careers.hcahealthcare.com residency. That's careers.hcahealthcare.com residency. HCA Healthcare is an equal opportunity employer. So guys, please welcome to the show, Ashkot Gupta. He's an internationally renowned speaker, filmmaker, and health practitioner who has dedicated his life to supporting people through chronic illnesses and achieving their potential. So welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me. We are very delighted to have you. Now, I know you have a very long resume and I'd probably spend the whole 30 minute episode talking about all of your accomplishments, but can you give us the cliff notes of who you are and the type of work that you do? Of course, yes. Yeah. So my background is I originally suffered from a condition called ME or chronic fatigue syndrome many, many years ago. I managed to recover 100% myself and then I went on to conduct lots of medical research, published several medical papers on the subject. So I'm a neuroplasticity researcher and also a clinician treating patients around the world for long COVID and many other similar conditions. I heard in that introduction your why, your why of why you do the work that you do. And it's based on personal experience. And I think that really speaks to how passionate you are about what you do. For many of our listeners, they're nurses or in in the healthcare profession, and many of them have their own whys of why they became practitioners. So knowing that this is is why you entered the field, chronic illnesses, tell us more about that type of work. I know we're in the era of COVID right now, and so many of us want to know more about COVID and long haul. Can you tell us a little bit more about the work that you've been doing with that patient population? Uh, Yes. So we've spent the last 20 or 25 years treating 
uh, chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia, which I'm sure you know most of your audience will have heard of. And we found that all of a sudden, many long COVID patients started coming to our clinic because they'd been recommended our program through other sources. So they started coming to our clinic and we saw so many similarities between long COVID and ME or chronic fatigue syndrome. So we started treating it in the same way. And we started seeing really positive results and really good results with those patients. So that's when we decided that we want to do further research into long COVID and start treating that patient population. And studies do seem to show that the first few months of long COVID, the symptomatology is a little different to MECFS with more of a prevalence of immune symptoms. But as the months go on, the, the kind of pattern of symptoms in long COVID and MECFS becomes very, very similar. So we see long COVID, also rather COVID-19, as a trigger of long-term chronic conditions like ME and like chronic fatigue syndrome, rather than anything distinct. But obviously, that's a hypothesis. We, we, nothing can be said for sure right now. You know, that's interesting you say that because, you know, we're all aware of COVID-19. We see it everywhere we go. It's on the television, radio. We've learned so much, right? We've all become our own mini infection control experts trying to prevent this. But I think because of the fatigue of hearing this news, people maybe aren't as concerned or worried about getting COVID these days because especially with the Omicron variant, you know, symptoms appear to be mild. However, that doesn't exclude someone from potentially getting long COVID, long haul COVID. So for our listeners, can you kind of give us a refresher on what is long haul COVID? Who gets it? Who doesn't get it? And, you know, what is actually going on in the body during this time? Sure. Well, it's it's a definitely something which is, as you say, in the news right now, you can't put the TV on or the radio without hearing about this. And really, long COVID is when the symptoms tend to linger from a COVID-19 infection for at least six to eight weeks. So many of us may take, you know, four to six weeks to recover from a, you know, an intense viral ex- exposure. But if it starts lingering for eight weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, then we know that we've probably got long COVID. And people are finding that between 10 to 20 percent of infections lead to long COVID symptoms, which is making it a very serious uh, condition. And it's a similar thing to mono. Yeah. So Epstein-Barr virus or mono that also tends between 10 to 15 percent of patients of that go on to having lingering symptoms for quite a while. And the symptoms tend to be, uh, you know, exhaustion, fatigue, breathlessness, and then a lot of cognitive symptoms around difficulty thinking. But we're not talking about the normal exhaustion. We're talking about what they call post-exertional malaise. So you literally feel like you can't move sometimes or you can't do basic activities like even cooking dinner. And we have patients who are bed bound who need a nurse to support them at home. So it can be anywhere along a severity scale from you know very intense to bed bound right through to mild where someone's able to work part time or full time. Symptoms you described, the exhaustion, fatigue, breathlessness, difficulty thinking, that feels like me after maybe a 14-hour shift, really busy in the ER, but it's very important for people to distinguish. It sounds like these are symptoms that extend beyond a normal COVID infection. So six to eight weeks, if you're still feeling this way after an infection, that's when we'd want to consider that. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. And the defining characteristic of these types of illnesses is that they're not alleviated by rest. So if somebody, you know, obviously like, you know, obviously you have a long shift, you feel exhausted, but, you know, a couple of days rest, a few days rest, and you probably be you know, right as rain. But in these conditions, it doesn't matter if someone rests or not, they will still have those severe symptoms going on in the body. And that's the defining characteristic. And also post-exertional malaise is you, that's common characteristic of these conditions, is you may do something very basic, 
you know, even taking a shower or washing the dishes, but then be exhausted for days afterwards, you know, in the very severe cases. So, yeah, this is definitely something which is very unique uh, to these types of conditions. And um, in terms of what causes it, I'd love to just share a, a kind of a hypothesis on this. So there's many hypotheses out there about what causes long COVID. And some people believe there's, you know, viral debris in the body. So there's still remnants of the virus in the body, which is why the immune system is reacting. Other people believe there's ongoing inflammation. Here at the Gupta program, we believe that it's actually in the brain. Yeah, that there's a chronic effect of that uh, illness on the brain itself. So the brain is a, a kind of survival mechanism, if you think, if you imagine. So we know from science that our brain's priority is survival and passing on our genes to the next generation. Yep. It doesn't care about your wellness, it cares about survival. And so when we experience a COVID-19 infection, this is quite a severe infection on the body. And normally most people are able to fight off the infection and their immune system switches off and goes back to neutral, yeah, back to, back to normal. But sometimes if we've been quite exhausted, maybe we've been mentally or physically overdoing it, or emotionally overdoing it, or there may just be some unique genetic factor here that we're not aware of. The brain seems to react inappropriately. So even once the COVID-19 infection has disappeared, we believe parts of the brain, the amygdala and the insula specifically, are reacting as if the COVID infection is still present and then going on to cause the ongoing symptoms. So this overstimulation of the immune system and nervous system, creating all these symptoms in the body, so tight muscles, difficulty thinking, all of the immuno symptoms and cognitive symptoms, as well as a feeling that this is just continuing unabated. And those symptoms in the body then loop back to a hypersensitive brain, creating this overreaction. So it's like the brain and the body are playing a game of tennis, hitting a board, a ball harder and harder against each other, reacting to each other, creating these chronic symptoms. And this is obviously a hypothesis, but is also now being backed up by the latest neuroscience on what's going on in the brain and what we call conditioning effects in the brain. So essentially, it's almost like a PTSD response, but a physiological PTSD response. So just like someone who goes to a war zone, comes back from that war zone, and uh, a balloon can pop, and they suddenly get a rush of this nervous system reaction. In the same way, our nervous system and immune system is become hypersensitive. So anything that reminds it of the original COVID-19 infection becomes a trigger to trigger immune responses and nervous system responses, creating the very symptoms in the body that the brain is sensitive to, creating the vicious cycle. When you said it's like a tennis match, I was thinking, well, who really wins, the brain or the body? I mean, um, how long does this actually last? And because I know you've done a lot of work around neuroplasticity treatment, because I'm, I'm also interested to know what that really means. So if I'm someone who has long haul COVID and my brain and my body are doing this tennis match and it's very hypersensitive and I'm going through all this based on the patients that you've seen in your work, how long does this actually last? And is there anything that can be done to alleviate any of this? Uh, yes. Yeah. So here at the Gupta program, we've been following patients who've had long COVID from early in the pandemic. So from we started receiving patients around April, May 2020, which was very close to the start of, you know, the infection you know, being mass, people being aware of it. And we still have patients coming now a year, year and a half later with these long COVID symptoms. So we don't know how long long COVID could actually last. But if it follows the pattern of chronic fatigue syndrome, then it could be you know, ongoing, it could be years. And unfortunately, with people with chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia, they well know that they can have it for 
for years. We even treat people who've had it for decades. So we treated a guy who had it for 30 years, 30 to 40 years. Now, that really isn't to scare anyone, because actually many people do get better from various different treatments, or it just seems to subside by itself. So the prognosis overall, we should remain positive. Now, in our clinic, we find that when we treat patients using these neuroplasticity techniques, we'll be looking at shifts and changes within weeks, and then hopefully getting back to a you know, 80 to 90% recovery within three to four months, and then within six months looking to get towards that kind of 90, 95% recovery. But the most important thing is for people to not become complacent because people can get better and then throw themselves back into that stressful life, as you say, you know, kind of long hours and whatever it may be. And especially nurses, because we certainly treat a lot of nurses and teachers who are very self-sacrificing and feel the sense of duty. But if you do have long COVID or you've you've actually got the COVID infection, we strongly advise that you really take the rest, really take the time out to heal fully and properly before you go back to work. Because the worst outcomes are when we're treating patients, they get to 70, 80%, they think, right, I'm fine now, I just need to get back to work, throw themselves into a busy lifestyle. And of course, the body sees that as a threat, because it sees that as a inability to overcome the virus from the stress, and therefore re-triggers immune responses and then somebody has a dip or a relapse afterwards. So both during COVID-19 infection and long COVID, taking adequate rest to fully heal is incredibly important. I'm so glad that you said that. And nurses, nurses, I hope you're listening. We often do sacrifice our rest periods to take care of patients. Many of the folks listening, they you know don't go to the restroom. They shorten their lunch break if they even take a break because they're always taking care of someone else, taking care of someone else. And I have to say, during this pandemic, uh, we know that there's been such a shortage of healthcare providers. There's been this rush and this urgency, and unfortunately, you know, emergency orders put in place that limits the quarantine time and isolation time for healthcare providers so they can get back to the front lines. But mm-hmm. if you are a nurse who's has gotten COVID and you are experiencing some of these symptoms of long COVID, it's going to be very important that you put yourself first. It's kind of like when you're on the airplane and the air masks come down, you have to put your air mask on first before you can take care of someone else. And in order to be good providers to patients, we must also be good patients ourselves. And I think sometimes we forget about that. So thank you so much for that reminder. Getting adequate rests will be very important. Now, I have another question. After the Delta wave vaccines came into play, we thought we were heading in the right direction. Then here came the Omicron variant, which you know was introduced here in the United States in December and very quickly became the number one variant, usually presents with milder symptoms. However, even though it has milder symptoms, can it still contribute to these same symptoms of long COVID, even if the actual infection itself didn't seem very alarming? It seems like a cold. This is a really good question. And the jury is out right now in terms of Omicron. But our experience with Delta in previous infections is that actually people can have quite mild infection and a mild experience of it, but still go on to having long COVID which seems, it it kind of doesn't seem to make sense. Why would that be? And it's obviously that even though we are able to experience a mild infection, it still creates lingering effects in the brain and the brain still errs on the side of caution and says, that was a difficult infection. We must continue to stimulate immune responses to make sure that we stay healthy. And so with Omicron, we would hope, obviously, fingers crossed, that it doesn't cause as many long COVID cases because it 
overall is milder. At the same time, we shouldn't become complacent. So I think this is a hypothesis. So we don't have proof behind this, but we certainly do once again emphasize that point that if you get Omicron or any kind of variant of COVID, making sure you fully rest. And that doesn't mean just physically rest, but emotionally and mentally rest because people can be sitting in their bed, but typing away on their laptops, and that's not really resting. We need that full rest to allow the immune system to fully heal before we go back to work. And hopefully that would reduce your chances of getting long COVID. Because certainly a lot of the cases we see are where people had the infection, but didn't rest, right? And went back to work too quickly and then had a bit of a dip afterwards. So that's my first point is really, really emphasizing that. And then secondly, if people do go on to, to getting long COVID, at our clinic, we're using these neuroplasticity brain retraining techniques to train the brain to no longer respond in this way. And these aren't psychological techniques. These are definitely what we call neuroplasticity techniques. So it's saying that the brain is unconscious. Now, we can't directly control our immune system, but indirectly, we can train the brain to recognize these danger signals where the brain still thinks we're in a COVID-19 infection state and train it, say we are no longer in that infection state, we are in a safe space, and therefore it can switch off and reset the immune system. And that's what we're doing with our brain retraining and reprogramming. And, you know, the, these techniques, uh, you know, we spent last 20 years refining them and, uh, you know, testing them. And recent research has shown that in animal studies, the immune conditioning or immune learning effects occur in the amygdala and the insular parts of the brain, which is exactly the parts of the brain that we've been targeting for years. So modern neuroscience is beginning to back up a lot of the things that we are you know, saying in this regard. And we've now done a recent randomized control trial showing that. And we're looking to do more randomized control trials to, to show that this is an effective treatment. Well, this sounds very promising because for some of us, you know, if, depending on how long you've, you've been in healthcare, we used to believe that, you know, once there was brain damage, that that was it, that the brain couldn't, you know, the neurons couldn't regenerate, that that was it. And that was the best that it was going to get. But now with treatments like that, we're learning that the brain actually can regenerate. It can learn new things. It can develop new neural pathways. So this sounds very promising. Now, just because I'm a visual person, so what does this look like? You've described it, but if I come to your clinic and I see you and I'm, I'm signed up for neuroplasticity treatment, what does that look like? What does that treatment look like for me? What can I expect? So originally we used to do this face to face, but now because there were so many people suffering around the world from all these chronic illnesses, we made it an online program. So wherever anyone is in the world, they can take part in the program. And of course, when people are severely affected, they can't come to see us anyway. So they have to do it from home. So it's an online study program with 15 interactive video sessions with myself as well as about 20 to 30 audio exercises and regular weekly webinars. So there's a lot of support that people get. And during the videos and the webinars, we teach people how to recognize these unconscious signals, as I said, on the periphery of consciousness, which represent danger signals. Yep. So normally we're not even aware of them, but we can train ourselves to recognize when the immune system and nervous system is triggered and when it's not triggered. And that takes a little time, but once people learn that, then they start to the process of retraining. We have a specific seven step process to train the brain out of these danger signals. And, you know, often we think that, well, we don't have control over our physiology, but actually through some interesting techniques we do. So as an example, if Alice, I was to ask you to think of your favorite food right now and imagine you're incredibly hungry and you, you've got your favorite food and it's being brought up to your mouth and you're, mm, you're just about to eat it. Right. I'm guessing that you might have a saliva reaction. Saliva may be created in your mouth. 
So that's interesting. I was able to create a physiological shift in your body just through the power of imagination. Yeah, or, tr- or training the brain that this is something that's happening right now. You literally trained your brain to believe that something was happening. So in the same way, we can train our brain to believe we're no longer in that COVID-19 infection state and that we are safe and therefore it can switch off these responses. So that's an example of how we can indirectly influence our physiology you know, over time. How does someone get connected to you or come to your clinic or get these type of services? Yeah, so we um, want to make sure that pe- this is the right choice for people. So the first port of call is if you have long COVID, ME-CFS, fibromyalgia, mold illness, anything that, you know, along the spectrum of those conditions, that you get it fully checked out by your doctor and the mainstream medical routes. That's incredibly important. And only when the doctor has said, right, there's nothing else that we can do for you. Yeah apart from just prescribing you certain pills that might take the edge off symptoms, then people come to our treatment because we're often a a kind of diagnosis of exclusion when every other potential dangerous condition has been ruled out. And then on our website, which is guptaprogram.com, people can sign up for a free 28-day trial and there they can watch lots of videos which explain more about the background to the treatment and a background to their conditions. And If people then think, actually, this is the right place to be, I'd like to continue with this type of treatment, then obviously they can purchase the treatment. It's a very low price. We've kept it as low as we can to cover our costs and obviously a bit more. And we, until we get the large scale phase three trials, we offer a money back guarantee, a one year money back guarantee on this treatment. So people can use it for up to a year. If it's not working for them, they can return it. No questions asked and then use that money towards another treatment. We think that's the right and fair thing to do. When people often are off work, they don't have funds to, you know, to be able to buy something like this. So we offer that one year money back guarantee and we give people a lot of support. So not only do they get the weekly webinars, but they also get a loving, supportive community of like minded retrainers who can support them on that journey. What's very interesting, you mentioned, obviously, a lot of your audience is, is female. The majority of people we're seeing are women between the ages of 30 to 50. And it tends to be about 80 to 90 percent women who are going on to contract uh, long haul COVID. And we believe this is because there is a difference between a man's and a woman's immune system. So a woman's immune system, and there's some research on this, tends to what we call err on the side of caution and create overreactive inflammatory responses compared to men. Are you saying women are overreactive? No, I'm just playing. I think sometimes we are ladies. I'm going to say sometimes. But anyways, that's not what he meant. I was just inserting some humor in this. But go on. I'm sorry. Absolutely. Yeah, don't get me into trouble. Just we're talking about the immune system and the immune inflammatory effects. And this could, there could be actually some evolutionary biology behind this. So generally, the ages between 30 and 50, or certainly you know in the 20s and 30s, a woman would be carrying a child for a lot of that time in ancient times and therefore a woman's immune system had more of a reason to over respond to potential threats in order to also allow the survival of the, the person themselves but also the fetus as well and that could be and I said this is a hypothesis it could be why women's immune system are likely to over respond and therefore we see more women who suffer from these types of conditions like ME-CFS, fibromyalgia and obviously long COVID as well and so we see a similar pattern to all of these types of conditions. And therefore, once again, it's very important people seek out the help and not allow this to just hopefully go away. Because the longer this condition lingers, the more it becomes embedded in the nervous system, in the brain, in our view. So seeking treatment early is very beneficial. 
I'm so glad that you said that because I think some people, they, they throw their hands up once they've gone to their healthcare provider and they say, you know, there's nothing else that we can do. This it's just these medications. It's just, you know, people can feel helpless. They can feel abandoned. So it's really great that, you know, there are other options for people to explore. And I'm so glad that this is actually online too, because it makes it more accessible to the masses. And I think, especially with COVID, it's been such a challenge to go out and get treatment because they only want you to come out if it's extremely necessary and important. And although this is, you've removed a barrier for many people. So I'm really excited that this is available online. Can you say the the website one more time for listeners? Because I think this is important. Nurses, especially for us, for one, right? We're going to put our own oxygen mask on first. If we've experienced COVID, we're experiencing long COVID symptoms, this is something that you can explore as well. But it's also good to know this information for your patients because patients, you know, look to us for information to be caregivers. And, you know, we want to make sure that we can provide all our patients all of the options uh, available to them. And they may not know about this. And quite honestly, your medical doctor, the nurse practitioners, they may not know about this as well. So please be a good resource to your patients. So can you tell us that website and contact information one more time? Uh, yes. So it's guptaprogram.com, which is G-U-P-T-A program.com. And that's where people can once again, watch lots of videos, find out more information, and also sign up for the 28 day free trial. So you've got 28 days, you don't even have to put your credit card in, you can just watch lots of great information. And of course, what matters to us is proving this scientifically. So recently, uh, just a year ago, we published one of the first randomized control trials ever published on a neuroplasticity program. And it showed that with fibromyalgia patients, our program within eight weeks reduced fibro scores by 40%, but 0% in the control group. It also halved pain by 50%, halved depression, anxiety by 50%, and increased uh, functional capacity by 50%. Once again, just within eight weeks. Now, we are a, a six month program of treatment, but just in that short period of time, we were able to get that result. And that was published in the Journal of Clinical Medicine. So perhaps in, in the notes, people get access to that. So a lot of the ideas we're talking about may seem a little far-fetched or they may seem very new, but we believe this is the new branch of medicine. The brain has been the black box. So medicine is traditionally focused on what we can measure, which is, you know, the body, the muscles. These are things that we can measure. And the brain is, you know, kind of a bit of a mystery. Now, recently, over the last 10 or 20 years, we've been able to do brain scans and really look inside the brain and see what's going on. But even then, we don't really understand it. It's like looking at a bunch of electrical wires and seeing some of them light up and trying to figure out what's going on. But now that we've peered into this black box, we realize that many different illnesses may be software problems, not hardware problems. And so medicine has been brilliant at treating hardware problems. But the software problems are the kinds of illnesses that keep coming regularly into a clinician's office. So things like pain disorders, where there's not really a lot that can be done, depression or anxiety, and these types of allergic response, so food sensitivities, mold sensitivities, but once again, it's very difficult to treat because we believe they're in the brain, in the unconscious brain. And now things like long COVID and chronic fatigue syndrome. So if we recognize that these are brain conditions and software problems, and we can start retraining them, reprogramming the brain, we can bring the body back to balance and heal so many conditions for so many people. Oh my gosh, this is such good information. And you explained it so well. Um, you're right. We, we're so focused on the physical uh, illnesses of the body that oftentimes we, you know, the brain, which is a mystery still to us these days, but we have to explore it. We have to 
you know, look into treatment and therapies like this? Because those stats, I mean, I know that you, you said you, you guys published the randomized control trials, but still, I mean, that's very promising, you know, to improve pain, anxiety, depression, increase functional capacity. These are all of the things that we want for our patients and for ourselves, especially if um, traditional medicine has reached its peak and has quote unquote, there's nothing else that they can do. So this is very promising. I'm very excited to have met you and learn more about the work that you and your colleagues are doing. And you are in London. You guys, just so you're you're listening, I know you're probably like, where is he? I want to go there. I want to. He is in London. I don't know. Maybe one day they'll expand their their services to the United States. We we can hope. But but until then, you can access him vir- virtually online through the online program, which is great. Uh, you know, I almost feel like I don't want to end this podcast. This has been such great information. We'll have to bring you back again because I know that you're you're going to be discovering more and more things, and we look forward. I know you guys are doing more trials, and these are the things that we need to bring to the forefront, especially after we've you guys we've already gone through nursing school. We passed our NCLEX. We're practicing. It's very important for us as clinicians to stay current with, you know, obviously we're staying current with COVID and we're, you know, we're, we know about the emergency use authorized medications, but what else can be done? What else can we do for our patients? How else can we improve the quality of life? Because, you know, whether we like it or not, COVID is probably here to stay at least for an extended period of time. So let's work on trying to improve our knowledge and our skill set so that we can provide better care for our patients um, and as well as ourselves, because we are health consumers as well. So Ashcock, this has been a wonderful interview. I'm, I definitely got to bring you back as you know you you learn more and your program expands. But any last words you'd like to leave uh, our nursing audience who are listening to you? Uh, yeah, just going back to that point I made earlier, which is that um, many people in this profession uh, work valiantly because they they want to help people, right? That's often why they go into this type of profession. They can often be self-sacrificing. And the idea of self-care and self-love and self-compassion is incredibly important uh, for nurses to take care of their own health. And secondly, you know, you, you guys are already the, you know, the unsung heroes of what's been happening over the last few years. And, you know, you're often underpaid, under-resourced and underappreciated. And I just want to say on behalf of our clients and our patients who talk regularly about their experiences uh, with nurses, that, you know, you, you guys are doing a fantastic job under very, very difficult circumstances. And uh, yeah, so thank you so much. I will receive all of that great goodness on behalf of all of the nurses. Um, they do work really hard. but I, And as hard as I work, I still wouldn't couldn't imagine doing anything else. It's very rewarding. But while that is rewarding, I have to make sure that I am careful and take care of myself so I can continue to do this this type of work. So thank you so much for being a guest. This has been great information. I myself have learned tons. You know, I've not, I've not had COVID, but I still would like to check out the program because I think as, you know, as a provider, it's important for me to know so I can share it with friends, colleagues, families, um, because we're all in this together. You know, information sharing is so key. It makes no sense for this great treatment and services to be provided and only, you know, only a bubble of people know about it. We got to share this and get this out to the masses. So thank you so much for being a guest. We appreciate it. And you guys, thank you to nurse.org for allowing the podcast to happen. You know, I'm a nurse, you guys are nurses. And even if you're not a nurse and you're listening, thank you for listening because I'd rather talk to you here versus talk to you in the hospital, which means that I'm doing, we're doing good jobs of keeping you out of the hospital. And guys, thank you so much again for listening to the podcast. Please make sure to share this with a friend, a colleague, a classmate, um, even your neighbor. This is tons of great information because these are things that we need to know as nurses but also because we're health consumers as well. So please make sure to go to your favorite podcast platform, 
like, subscribe, share, leave a rating. And if there's a topic that you'd like to hear about, please let us know. You can email me at nursealice at nurse.org. Be happy to bring you on as a guest or find the topic or find the expert to talk about what you want to hear about. And again, I'm your host. I love chatting with you all. Until next time, please make good choices, be kind to one another, and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.